1: Welcome back to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And as you can tell, I am back because I just spent some time at the Senior Bowl and um, my co-host Fred Moreland held down the ship last week. But Fred, I have a question for you. Will Hook pay for his crimes?
2: What specific crimes? Like the, uh, the Stokely oh, yeah. stuff?
1: Yeah. So um, Stokely tweeted out a picture of uh, his left arm in a cast. Oh, God. And- Hook will pay for his crimes. It was confirmed that there was a forearm fracture which required a cast. I am just wrought. And the best line, I rolled dice with my left hand, so I'm fucked. (laughs) (laughs)
2: that's fantastic (laughs)
1: he he goes on please don't make me sue this company tony khan you know that portrait of your father that's hanging in your office well once i own this company i'm replacing it with a big-ass photo of james brown (laughs) yep every time you see the godfather of soul sweating in a drug-fueled rage at the apollo you're going to think of me sounds pretty miserable bro do the right thing punish this little bastard hook and write me a fat check and then right below it (laughs) by the way Here's a photo of me with my best friend, Al Sharpton. It means absolutely nothing, by the way. Stokely is a god. This Stokely's is...
2: Is so good on Twitter. Listen, I wish that listen. he was able Twitter to show sucks. it a little more on AEW. But...
1: Yeah, Twitter sucks, but it got me a career in sports media, and it gives us beautiful shit like Stokely Hathaway. I, I will deal with all the crap from Twitter just for this beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All-time great, Stokely Hathaway.
2: Yeah, that was... Uh, I, I had not been on Twitter today. I was only aware of uh, the Eddie Kingston stuff where he just went off. But yeah, uh, that's good tweeting. No, it's, is, it's, is Stokely the man. best uh, AEW person at Twitter? Let's start with All that right. discussion.
1: Well, we should really dive into that discussion because it's Eddie Kingston ruining his AEW career with Twitter right now. He is going off about MJF based and Eddie Kingston, his, his real life persona really blends with his character because he's just a I don't give any fucks kind of guy. And he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. And he was going off on MJF. Um, we, we had to see this guy three times in an hour and then uh, just going on and off about that. And also the fact that he thought that there was big katie vick energy from his promo um which i we'll get to that too yeah i i don't agree with that but uh, like there's links there and then like it, it's just eddie kingston he's like fuck ortiz fuck house of black and you know it's eddie being eddie what what,
2: what else, I, I gotta what he think wants? he's just working with that stuff um but, you know, Eddie's also a top. He's got to be like top five AEW Twitter. Uh, Nyla Rose is uh, really good at Twitter. Oh, Nyla uh,
1: Rose is hilarious.
2: Yeah. I wish she could show that more on AEW TV too. But every time she's been featured, it's been like, oh, I'm, I'm a mean monster. And I don't think that fits her.
1: No, well, the tough part is with Nyla Rose is as a worker, she's average at best.
2: Yeah, and I think she's it, also lost a step since 2019 when I was actually pretty high on her as like the the host of the women's division.
1: She looked like she could be like a focal point of the women's division for a while, especially as you continue to build that roster up with talent. Yeah, but it just it just hasn't worked out, and it's unfortunate. But yeah, I I think Stokely Hathaway has to be my number one on Twitter as far as anybody from AEW, oh, except uh, the God the God poster himself, Tony Khan. Khan oh, to that. T-
2: Tony Khan. Um, I, I don't know. I can't, he's, there's just not enough consistency. It's usually too much plugging his stuff, but when he like, yeah, goes but off, I, I, I'm i sorry.
1: With, with the Vince McMahon stuff. Why is everybody being so nice to me? Oh, here's dynamite tonight. Like it's just never ending. I'm going to post everything on a message board energy and it works. It's hilarious. It's timely. And he, he just knows what to say at the right time
2: oh man i got it's tough because like never never cheer for uh uh never cheer for billionaires but also he's a very funny billionaire he gives me good wrestling i apologize for the uh sounds of the background we are in the middle of a giant windstorm so like that is literally the wind blowing against my house Well, you're safe. That's really what matters.
1: Let's let's continue to talk about AEW because there's quite a bit that we need to talk about. And we're going to talk about why I was gone um, as well. But let's I think the first thing we need to talk about, Fred, is house shows. Um, AEW announced that they are going to start doing house shows and it's. It feels like this is going to be one-off attractions rather than doing loops. And I think that's where people just need to get their head out of the gutter. This is not AEW. Hell, New Japan does house shows. We just don't ever talk about it because they're in rinky-dink towns in Japan. Just they give them like a show or two a year and yada, yada, bing, bang. It's it's no big deal. But this feels like it's a true attraction. And I'm going to pull... Pull it up. They are really trying to build it up, and I think it's, I think it's cool um, that they're gonna start trying to do some house shows because I think it gives, um, gives people opportunities to wrestle, and it gives other markets the ability to have AEW shows. And I don't think it's gonna overextend the wrestlers because it's they have one right now. They're calling it their House Rules tour. And it's going to be in Troy, Ohio on Saturday, March 18th. The, gra- um, the graphic has John Moxley's The Focal Point with Claudio Castagnoli, Dr. Britt Baker, Orange Cassidy, and Darby Allen. So you're, you're talking about giving a quality card to people. And obviously, you're going to have some of it um, kind of dumbed down a little bit. You're not going to have as much pyro. You're not going to have as much fanfare. But you're still going to be getting a quality in-ring wrestling product. And I think that's going to be huge. Um, Joe Lanzo opined on the flagship, and I want your opinion on this: that they should do a title change on one of these shows or do something really big they to should. make them feel like they matter. And I, quite frankly, I agree. I just don't know how they should go about it. And maybe it's the ROH title, but do you want to ruin Claudio's like reign with a, a title change, especially with a company that's only adjacent to AEW and isn't AEW? Like, it's I'm I'm fascinated to see how these play out because at the very least you it's not like you do a loop of like four towns in five days and you're doing the same match in all four towns. This is right. It feels like a spectacle and something that they could very well air when they potentially get a streaming service.
2: Yeah. And it is uh, almost two weeks. It's like 13 days after revolution. So a lot of those storylines will be finished up and maybe you could do something with uh, one of the secondary belts, you know, like uh, the T- the TNT or the TBS I guess not the TVS. you have to put Jade losing would have to be on TV. You can't do that on a house show. But like a TNT title change, like either Samoa Joe retains, or I'm assuming he's going to face Wardlow. Wardlow wins and then uh, loses it on the house show. That could be something they could do. Um, yeah, but I, I do think they need to do something big of some sort, even if it's just an angle to uh, launch or start a major storyline. Um, they can't just they can't just do like a WWE-style house show because, they, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, in this case, but because WWE has been the market leader for so long and hasn't really been challenged since WCW, a lot of do- what WWE does is defines the North American uh, professional, well, the American and Canadian uh, wrestling marketplace. And what that means is that the attitudes they have uh, towards certain things like house shows has become accepted as the norm. You know, there's even fans that really are only familiar with how WWE books things, and they think that if you aren't doing like 20 minute long promos, you're not advancing storylines. But so that's a different discussion. <laughs> uh, but I think that the WWE attitude of uh, we do house shows, but we don't even plug them on our nationally broadcast television shows because they're so meaningless, uh, I think that's just really permeated the mm-hmm. wrestling industry. And I think that's something AEW has to overcome. Uh, And it's kind of like with uh, gimmicks, you know, with stipulations and gimmick matches. Uh, AEW has had to kind of work against the grain to make those mean something again uh, to, you know, different levels of success. Uh, And I think that's something they're going to face with uh, these house shows as well. Uh, Now, what's interesting to me is, you know, it's been like a little over a week, I think, since they announced the first one. And they haven't announced another one. So you know, that raises some questions. Like, are they counting entirely on how this state, this Troy, Ohio, which is outside Dayton, uh show does to like determine their future, which seems very, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> That's putting a lot of mm-hmm. your eggs in one basket. I think that more data points would be good and they're rich enough to be able to cover like five, you know, mediocre returns on house shows. Uh, but yeah, it's something to keep an eye on. I think it's very interesting. Um, I just wish we knew more about their plans for it going forward because there's a lot of questions like how many are they doing or where are the other ones going to do? Are they going to do one like every week? Are they going to do two every week? And we just don't know that right now. Uh, we don't even have it like an idea. We've got one on the schedule and that's it. So. Well, I, I will give them a little bit of a break as far as scheduling
1: out. They only have dynamites and rampages announced through May 3rd as far yeah. as what you, what you can actually buy on sale. So. I I think that they're, they're going to try and be a little more strategic. Um, what I found interesting was this house of rules um, is in Troy, Ohio. Mm-hmm. They were just in Dayton last yeah, week, like yeah. And I find that location very interesting because you're going to a place that was literally literally just had a dynamite and it was a pretty big dynamite. You had two tremendous matches on the card, but you're going back to the same general area like within a month and a half, I feel like that's a little odd. I I could understand, Hey, we're going to go back to, let's say Georgia and we're going to run a house on show in Savannah. Like, let's just throw that out there. You know, you haven't been to Georgia in a hot minute. You go to Savannah. Okay. You haven't been there in a while. You're going back to a territory. Hey, we can draw a bigger house. Why would you do your first one in Troy, Ohio? The only thing I can think of is that they got a really good deal on the building. And the real draw here is John Moxley, a Cincinnati boy.
2: Yeah, I I am similarly uh, confused and intrigued by that. Uh, I think I actually talked about that on last week's show, if I recall correctly. But it's been a week, which means it's been you know eighteen years. Uh, but I don't I don't get it really. Uh, I think it's odd. I think it's kind of risky uh, because that's you know if you ask me what I would have done is I would have tried running, um, you know, in these secondary markets, like I'm just going to, you know, Racine, Wisconsin. You know, I don't think that they've, have they been, they've been to Milwaukee, but they have not been to Racine. They've been
1: to Green Bay. I mean, if you're talking about Racine, you're talking about like single A minor league baseball.
2: Yeah. Uh, but like, if you, if you, like, I've got the list of, you know, United States, uh, metropolitan statistic areas pulled up and like looking at some of the kind of lower level ones like i don't know montgomery alabama or peoria or Reading pennsylvania like you know one of these places um i don't know offhand if they've been to any of those i apologize if they have i also don't care my point being that i would go to a smaller market and try that and see how that goes uh, with the house show and see how like three of those draw at you know places of that size and rather than we just ran Dayton, so we're going to hit it again. You know, that's kind of—I don't know. It's weird to me.
1: Well, we have seen AEW really burn out of territory. They—they mm-hmm. uh, they had to run Jacksonville. They didn't really yeah, have that's much different. Voice, but like Chicago. even so, even so after they kind of opened things up, they still kind of kept going back to Jacksonville. They did it, it took a them forever to go.
2: It took them forever to go to California, you know. uh, And Texas took a long time too, and it was very. Texas, I don't. Well,
1: know. well, Texas is one of the first spots they went post pandemic because remember they did that three show loop in oh, Texas. That's right. Like their first you got me were. there. Yeah, yeah. Take it, Fred. Ah oh, um, shit. Well, uh, they they did kept doubling down in Jacksonville. After oh, that was
2: uh, Oh, that was April. Never mind. I gotta yeah. eat shit on that. Um.
1: Oh, so, but he, here's what I'm trying to say. Like they kept doubling down in Jacksonville. And they still kept drawing. And then you mentioned Chicago, like part of that is CM Punk. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's a little more difficult to kind of judge, but I mean, even they still hit
0: it really hard. (laughs) They
1: did. And even our colleagues who live there, we're like, man, I, I'd be fine not going to a wrestling show for a hot minute, but I'm still going to yeah. go because it's it's a good wrestling show. And,
2: and like, with, like, Rich Kreacher who you know, the other guys are like, I don't know if I can go to another AEW show. Like, to me, that's like, okay, listen, you guys have hit this really hard. You need to, yeah. need to go to fucking Indiana or some shit. <laughs> Come
1: know? back to Minneapolis. Please.
2: Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's very, very intriguing. And, like, that's a, that's a really under... Discussed aspect of the business is just picking where to go. Um, Because that's like if, a whole calculus itself. I'd have to imagine.
1: If AEW treats this right. And they treat house shows as a true part of their canon. And they focus on them. Like, hey, let's show a clip from a house show match. Hey, let's show the main event of a house show match on dark. Like if it ends up getting rave reviews. Like, oh, we had a title change on that this show like here's one thing I'll pose to you. The TNT title is a TV title. Would you would you change that title on a house show? It's Not a sure. television title. No, I no, mean,
2: well it's named after a TV station, but I mean you still throughout the history of wrestling TV titles have been defended off of TV.
1: None of them have been named after a television station. And that's kind of why I make this point. Because would TNT be happy about, hey, you changed our title, which we could have popped a rating with, on a house show, that we get absolutely nothing um, as far as any kind of benefit. and Am I extrapolating a little bit too much? Maybe. Let's be honest here. But it's something that we have to consider. And we know that the Warner Brothers Discovery relationship with Tony Khan is pretty strong. And Mm -hmm. we've seen that time and time again. But is that something that TNT would be annoyed about? I think I think we really have to consider that.
2: I can't imagine it, and if it is, that'd be even dumber than like some of the other really stupid stuff Warner Brother Discovery has been doing recently, which is a lot of really stupid stuff. Power slap, <laughs> so, power slap, Briscoes. Um, we may <laughs> drop the NBA, <laughs> which is like just completely. We want to save money, but we have no idea how to make money kind of thing.
1: If they drop the NBA, they're dumb. They oh, do boy. killer business with the NBA. They do.
2: It, it's such a silly situation to me, though. They're even... Half the like, time, they're the only
0: that
1: airs an NBA game on Thursdays.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, like, they just dominate the ratings, you know, not as much as the NFL, of course, but, I mean, it's, that's the NFL. That's a different world, but we're getting a little far, you know, from the original discussion here. Um, I think, definitely, they need to go to Mishawaka, uh michigan which is a city i just learned about
1: um, interesting i i think we need to keep a our fun eyes on name
2: this. oh that's an in indiana
1: interesting okay
2: Mishawaka. that's a good we're name. gonna
1: have to, we're gonna have to keep our eyes on this fred because yeah how
2: this continues to evolve and develop
1: and i think uh ticket sales will be huge as far as keeping tabs on this tickets um I, did they did they go on sale? Yes, they have gone on sale. Yes. Uh, I'm very intrigued
2: to see. Do you want me what? to check a- um What is it? Not AEW Tix. God bless it. Uh, Wrestle Tix and see if they have anything on it. Yeah. All right. I'll do that real quick uh, while we're doing that. This was a light week for uh, AEW News. Uh, not much to discuss. Um, and it does not look like WrestleTix has any information on that, so that's a shame. Um, But we last week I wasn't sure if there was a location for the Ring of Honor TV tapings announced, which are on the 25th and 26th of February, Uh, but they have announced that it will be in Orlando, or at least Fightful reported that. Um, And I'm now uh, quickly checking if you can purchase those tickets, uh, which I have to go to a separate site for. Uh, what do you think about the location of that do you have any thoughts on that? Cause you may not.
1: That which location,
2: uh, Orlando for the TV tapings that are supposedly going to happen at the end of the month. And they have not put those tickets up for sale.
1: Well, uh, I'll say this doing it in Orlando might be the first, might be a good first spot just because obviously we know that they tape dark down in Orlando mm-hmm. and there's, there's some infrastructure there to at least give like a real baseline. Um, can make it look good Odie, Odie is just being all kinds of happy and sleepy um i i think it's a smart move um because at the very worst you're gonna draw dark levels of fans and i think that's okay for the first go around yeah it looks pretty decent just make it feel major league when you run the tapings don't make it feel like a dark make it feel big time if you can do that and be successful with it if i were tony khan I would run the entire first batch of tapings free on honor club and YouTube get people invested in it, give them four weeks to be like, okay, I want to watch this company and then put them behind the paywall until you get that TV deal. Um, I don't know if he's going to do that, but one of the easiest ways to get people to pay for your product is by giving it away for free first
2: and get them hooked. Yeah. Yeah. um, It's intriguing. I have to think that they're taping at the uh, universal studios, uh, that's my assumption because that is where they take dark if I recall correctly, but yeah, uh, not. And with the, the tickets not being on sale, that kind of, I think you don't have to, I don't think they sell tickets for the dark tapings of very recall correctly. I think they just do them in the, in the park and let people in that way, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we're going to keep tabs on a lot of this house show stuff and, um, ring of honor as well throughout because there's going to be a lot of news developing with it. But let's continue on Um, uh, some more news as well. Um, AEW ratings, um, Rampage, 406,000 overall, um, lowest since um, December 2nd of 22, and back down to 0.11 in the 18-49 to demo. Last week was 0.14. It was 28th on the night, and by all accounts, um, Turner is very happy with these ratings. It's at the tail end of prime time. On a Friday night, when a lot of people, especially in that eighteen to forty-nine demo, the younger side of it, they're out partying. They're out with their friends, and I. It'd be nice if you could get some more, um, some better ratings here. But like, I don't really have an issue with it. What's your take?
2: You know, I do kind of wonder if like they've the the reason a major reason at least for their ratings drop over the past however many months at this point is just because of more people going out and not staying in from the pandemic anymore. Um, that may just be completely unrecoverable. And if that's the case, like this is just what it's going to be. I think, um, I do think it's fair to criticize this card. Um, yes, you do have an elite titles match, but it's against like the firm, which is completely a mid card act at this point. Um, You know, you have Swerve Strickland against basically a jobber to the stars and Brian Pillman Jr. You have Soraya and Tony Storm against actual jobbers. Um, And then you have Rouge versus Christopher Daniels, and Daniels is another jobber to the stars. So, like, I don't think there's a single what I consider even, like, for a Rampage, a marquee match on there. So I'm not shocked that they dropped. Um, And I think, like... You know we t- had a discussion a while ago about how Rampage needs to step up their booking uh, or the booking for Rampage needs to be stepped up to be have bigger matches and I think this is a case where they kind of failed at that. Um, yes, the elite finally worked in Rampage but I mean are, are you hyped about a uh, Ethan Page, Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy team in the year of 2023? No. You know what I'm really hyped for?
1: Ethan Page g- going on vacation. Like the, the, the firm is sincerely exists to give Stokely something to do until they give him something better to do. Um, they need to find some kind of up and comer or they need to give Lee Moriarty a push, which I genuinely don't know if he's ready for. I like him. I think he's going to be a very talented wrestler down the line, but I don't know if he's ready for a big push. I, I really feel like they're just trying to tread water until Lee's ready.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, Or until they decide to push Big Bill, I actually think Bill is more likely to be the featured guy, especially if you look at how that uh, Jungle Hook match was put uh, put together, where Moriarty took most of the offense and Bill took basically one big bump from Hook where he got an assisted suplex and that was it for him. Um, But yeah, I think the firm is really just mid-card as hell right now and Frankly, I don't see that changing, at least in the next month or so. Uh, maybe they'll get us, you know, maybe Bill or someone will get, you know, heated up in the next pay-per-view cycle. But this ain't it right now. So no, it's not um, this. This
1: will be interesting. And I, I like Big Bill, Big Bill, fun, Big Bill, big boy and big boys that can do things in wrestling are awesome. Um, Adam Cole speaks about Kyle O'Reilly's injury, says his recovery is going well. Um, O'Reilly had what we believe to be neck fusion surgery in September, and it has referenced a post-surgical issue of some sort. Look, um, says recovery is going well. I'm going to take that as a net positive. Um, his uh, injury was kind of weird. We didn't really know about it until all of a sudden we heard Kyle O'Reilly has neck surgery. Um, anytime you hear the words neck and surgery together, it is a big red flag, and it is scary. So mm-hmm. the fact that everything is going well at this point, is a huge blessing and sigh relief.
2: Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll get him back on uh TV in the near future. Yeah, I I
1: would love to see Kyle Riley back on TV. Um Exclusive AW shirts are now available on Amazon. Fred, you know I was going to get you one of these for Christmas, but they're forty dollars.
2: I, I don't yeah, know if I, I can afford it. Paying bucks. forty bucks for these damn t-shirts. <laughs> these and like I don't even like. None, no t-shirt is really worth 40 bucks to me but I don't think any of these are particularly you know inspired to the point of being worth forty dollars also note to me I think is that uh they're all black <laughs> oh what a shock a wrestling t-shirt is I black. know right uh, not not a single one is uh a different color which is funny but yeah they're just I don't know they just look like normal wrestling t-shirt designs to me and uh whatever <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, look, I'll, I'll take a look at him, see if there's any worthwhile, but wrestling T-shirts aren't necessarily made with the best material anyways, and then $40, Yeah, That's a yeah. hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, Paul White had his knee replaced back in August and hopes to be back in the ring in March. If we can get one fun Paul White match a year, I'd be happy with that. Doesn't yeah, that's have to totally fine. Just give me Paul White versus Satnam Singh in some ridiculous bullshit. That would be fun.
2: If every four months we just got Paul White killing QT Marshall, I think that'd just be fantastic. I'd be very happy with that. Or fill in the blank with whatever lower card heel, like Ethan Page or, you know, uh, the varsity athletes or whoever. Just, you know, Mark Sterling talks a lot of trash, and then Paul White comes out and just murders some guys for four minutes. That's fine.
1: Look, that's fun, it doesn't need to be crazy, it just needs no. to be fun, and I, I I appreciate that. Um, Christopher Daniels is being inducted into the Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, I'll be honest, Fred, I don't know much about the Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame, but
2: Christopher I Daniels think it's seems a, like
1: a great candidate,
2: yeah. I think it's some GCW deal that they launched last year, but I mean, that's a pretty good name if you're going to do it, so. Absolutely. Um, last thing before
1: we really get deep into the show, it is official. John Moxie will be on Bloodsport Nine with his opponent to be announced. I'm going an to opine here. I wonder if he gets Josh Barnett again and he gets the victory this time.
2: That would be interesting. Uh, I understand why he lost to Barnett with Barnett being a legit MMA fighter and all that, but also it was kind of funny that he lost to Barnett just objectively. Um so I don't know. Uh kind of seems like Barnett's the perpetual end boss of Bloodsport to you know, which makes sense, but I just wonder if he'll ever actually has he ever lost on one of these, I wonder. Now I'm now I'm curious, I'm gonna look that up. Um obviously he didn't lose to Mox and uh let's see here. Uh, he's in the cluster. let's get that crap out of here. Bloodsport. Uh, he is 4-0-1 with a time limit draw with Minoru Suzuki back in 2019 at the first Josh Barnett Bloodsport, which was actually the second Bloodsport. Um, and then he beat Chris Dickinson, Moxley, Tiger Ruas, and then Jonah. Um, so there you go.
1: That is quite the, the That is resume. a collection of names. <laughs> hey, let's beat Tiger Ruas and John Moxley. Um, yeah. But, hey, look, Bloodsport's fun, man. I like Bloodsport. Um, yeah, it's always a fun show. Here. All right, Fred, let's talk about this dynamite. Yeah. I thought it was
2: weird. It was it was mostly great and also weird, I think.
1: It just the tone of it was weird. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of – I'll explain why I thought it was weird as we kind of continue to go through the show. Um It did start off with MJF versus Kinosuke Takeshita. And this is where I really thought the weird started. Um, I did not like the finish. I did not like... I I thought this match was really getting good. I thought Takeshita should have beaten MJF um, because then you could have just got MJF extra mad considering then later in the night, you had Brian Danielson um, win, which we'll talk about. But it just why is Takeshta getting all these matches against big guys and losing? He's gonna eventually lose his steam. And I don't like that. I think that they could have they could have done a little mini program with Takeshta, and they chose not to. And to me, that's frustrating.
2: I don't disagree in the meta sense that Takeshta should be winning more matches, but I don't I wouldn't have had him win this one just because the storyline is MJF against Takeshta. And I think we already saw what happens in AEW if you kind of screw around with the title program storyline close to the pay-per-view with what happened with the Moxley-CM Punk all-out buy rate being lower than what one probably should have expected uh, considering the prior buy rates. And you can probably attribute a decent bit of that to the unexpected match and short win, quick win by John Moxley like two weeks prior on Dynamite. Um, I think MGF losing at this point was would not be the right thing to do. I think he's too early in his title run to do a to take a loss, and I understand why they had Takeshta be in this position to lose given his connection to Danielson. Um, I just would have had him have another big win before this, or maybe have him get one in the next couple weeks.
1: Yeah. It- Maybe I'm just annoyed. at like look, I'll let it play out. Tony Khan has earned um a lot of grace from me considering how he's booked this company. Like I will give it time, but
2: man, maybe do something with this guy. You do. I'm going to fantasy book here. Maybe they'll have him face Roosh since Roosh is semi aligned with MJF at least for now. And uh Takeshita put his nose in MJF's business, so maybe Rouge will get sicked on him. But
1: listen, I would, and, be and frankly, that, that would,
2: yeah, that would be awesome. Um, that would be a fantastic pay per view match. But I do think that Takeshita needs to have a clear program heading towards this pay per view that ends in him winning. Yes, and He needs to against someone higher up the card than Brian Cage. Nothing wrong with Brian Cage in my mind, but you know, like Takeshita should be beating Brian Cage. He need, uh, Kanosuke needs a like a. Uh, a win to hang your hat on that will clearly show that he's a high level guy in the AEW roster.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, um, but uh, it was noteworthy at the end of the match that uh, after winning with the salt of the earth, Fujiwara arm bar um, MJF wouldn't let go. And then yeah. Brian Danielson came down for the save that will come into play later on. Um AW World Championship Eliminator match. Jamie Hayter came down with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Rebel. And the Bunny came down with Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian. Uh, I got a hot take here. This might have been the best Bunny match I've ever seen. She looked like a very competent pro wrestler.
2: I wasn't in, into it that much, but I do think it ended very abruptly, probably because Bunny was hurt and hopefully not seriously. But
1: Well, I mean, uh, I gave it like three and a quarter, but let, let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, Outside of the, the one uh, street fight that she had, I think the the bunny's been a bad pro wrestler in AEW and like, I'll give some of it to hater, but I didn't see a lot of sloppiness from bunny. I didn't see a lot of, Hey, what are you doing? Like, uh, uh, the, the kind of throw of hater into the steps was a little, okay, maybe that, maybe it's a little sloppy, but it looked really cool. Uh, i I just thought she looked like a competent pro wrestler, and I don't think you can really build off anything from it, but i I came away thinking this is her best performance i'd I'd seen from her ever.
2: Hmm. I've always thought she's done really well in her couple of three fights. Uh, I you know honestly start a death match division with Penelope Ford and the Bunny as like the tag team star Wars stalwarts of it. Um'd be fun. But, uh, I was interrupted watching this match, so maybe I wasn't like the most attentive I could have, but I thought it was heading towards pretty good. And then it got derailed. Um, so I went with like one and three quarters on it. Yeah.
1: I, I thought it was good, but then again, uh,
2: what the hell do I know? I'm
1: a football guy. Um, <laughs> all right. So this was interesting. And I'm going to be honest. I kind of, I'm starting to hate it. Renee Paquette was backstage with Tony Sermon, Soraya, uh, Soraya called Levi Bates near them because she's an AEW original they hit her from behind and spray paint her with green spray paint and they spray paint a big L. This is turning into the NWO.
2: But they aren't cool. <laughs> so they won't no. be turned face. The, which the is- only
1: thing cool about this group right now is Tony Storm looks absolutely flawless anytime she's on television.
2: Yeah, I thought this was a goofy segment. I thought, look... Leva Bates seems like a lovely human being. She is not a particularly good professional wrestler. Um, that is me being nice. I thought, she, I thought she looked awful selling here, and all she had to do was take like two bombs tops. Um, I this feels very much like Soraya and Tony look like dork heels, which okay, fine. Uh, I kind of defended the Tony Storm heel turn at first because I thought that it would give her direction. Um, but you got to be careful not to like make her direction be, I'm a goof now. And, you know, it was something to keep an eye on in my mind.
1: Yeah. Um, like I said, Tony Khan's earned a lot of grace. Let's let it play out. Um, Lexi Nair was trying to get a word with AW world champion MJF. This oh God. was something. All right. Here's so- the next half
2: hour of the podcast.
1: Oh, if yeah. Um yeah, it starts off uh, you know, pretty nonchalant. MJF talking about how that like Takesha, he's like, Takesha, everyone was talking about like you, like you were the next big thing. You were no challenge for a generational talent like me. No one is. Man does not know what he's made of until he meets adversity. Then it got weird. He starts yes. talking about how like going to a school dance when you were in high school and how he took this uh, pretty girl. Um, I can't remember what name she used he used but that really doesn't matter because like was it live olivia maybe yeah something like that I it, don't know. the name doesn't matter because it doesn't. It's, it's not a real name it can't be a real name right. he talks about getting roadhead and <laughs> or maybe not roadhead but head no it car. was
2: it was it was in a car
0: head. yeah um, it was moving
1: like a lot of like high schoolers like especially in the 50s you'd t- you'd hear about <laughs> Um, them going up and parking somewhere and then fooling around. Lover's Lane I mean, with their rumble
2: strips. And-
1: yep. Um, And then talks about how they're, it's pouring rain and they hydroplane and he accidentally hits the accelerator instead of the brake and they hit a telephone pole going 90. When he comes to, he's tasting copper in his mouth and he, he can't understand what's going on. And then he sees uh the girl at, who had hit her head in front of or in the windshield and He puts his fingers under her nose, makes sure she's breathing. He's like, okay, good. And then he proves that he's a real scumbag. And he says, you know what? I switched places with her, so she had to take the blame for the crash. And he finishes off the promo with, in this life, there are winners and there are losers. Tonight, I expose you, Dragon. You don't have the balls to do what it takes. There will be no Iron Man match on March 5th at Revolution. I am a scumbag, Brian, and I'm damn proud of it. There are some people that are calling this Katie Vick like To me, okay, this is so far from Katie Vick that it's it's insane. Look, he's talking about getting head from a completely consenting girl, at least how he's telling the story. Like, because that is a very plausible high school story. Like, girl, guy, fool around in a car. We talked about it. Very plausible story. How does switching places with her make Katie Vick? That doesn't make any sense to me.
2: I think it's more just like he did a gross thing with a woman he was dating thing. I yeah, thought but this they're felt... Not, like, they're not in the same ballpark. I don't care about the Katie Vick thing. That's just a, that's just no, it, kind it, of a silly take.
1: Uh, yeah, but it's hyperbole that people will take seriously, and that's why I mean, it bothers me so much. It's
2: A.W. There's always going to be people that take hyperbole about it seriously. Yes, but these are
1: smart people that are saying it. God, they smart don't. people. Are they? That's what bothers me.
2: Are they smart? Outside of you know, Eddie Kingston, who is a genius, but <laughs> I'm not joking. I think he's very smart. No, um, I'm
1: sure he is, but just the way you said it just got me.
2: Sorry, uh, I, I look one. I would never insult Eddie Kingston because I love him, and two because he terrifies me. So that like I've got enough self preservation instincts right there, man. Oh, he scares uh, me to death. Yeah. Uh, look, I uh, ignore the Katie. You know the Katie Vick thing because that's gonna—that's a whole different discussion for what I want to have, which is I thought this was really, really weird for an AEW segment, and it felt very MJF is a mustache twirling villain, which I don't think he is, and also I don't think I want to watch. I don't think that that's really like a drawing thing to me. You know what? Is he going to tie Brie Bella to you know some a railroad track in the near future? I. Uh, it's goop, you know. It felt very goofy to me to have him like spend what felt like ten minutes on national TV, bragging about um, avoiding a license suspension when he was a teenager, which was like five years ago, uh, by swapping places in a car with his unconscious girlfriend. I, it just, you know, then be like, I'm a scumbag, and like, I don't know. It, I don't know that that's that was a successful promo to me, and I don't know that it really felt totally what. I would expect from AW or in general, good pro wrestling.
1: Yeah, uh, I did. You like I the did. segment? Yes and no. Um, okay. Okay. I thought so... it was. I
2: thought it was well delivered.
1: No, like it, like it, like the, the
2: technical aspect of the promo was good. I just thought that the whole direction of it was really weird and not not what I think you would do or should. Okay, so I kind of liked
1: it, but I still thought they could have done it better. And here's why I really liked it, it was how he tied everything together and you're talking about you know that we're going to have a 60 minute ironman match and we know mjf's a scumbag and the it's to me it's the literally do whatever it takes aspect he's doing whatever it takes to stay out of trouble he's in in the story of hey car crash hits telephone pole yada yada bing bang, bang. Mm-hmm. he's literally doing whatever he can and whatever it takes now you extrapolate that and now, it's a 60-minute Ironman match, and we're emphasizing that MJF is a scumbag. He keeps hitting people with the dynamite diamond. He did so a couple times tonight. Hits people with little blows. That's how he beat Ricky Starks uh, to retain the belt at Winter is Coming. It's to tie everything together that he really is a scumbag, and he can do whatever it takes and really sear that into your brain. Is it the right way to go about it? Dad, I, I, I I can't <laughs> tell you it's the right way. But I can tell you, it worked. It got you there. It's seared into your brain that he's going to do literally anything and everything to retain that title when it comes to the 16-minute Ironman match. And when you're watching it, you're going to be expecting him to be doing something um, involved with shenanigans. And Brian Danielson is apparently not that guy. So watch Brian just whack him upside the head with a chair and lose a fall, and then he gets two in a row to compensate for it. Kind of like um, what uh, Brock Lesnar Kurt Angle did in their Iron Man match back in 2003 SmackDown. Like, I can see those things linking together. And I think it really, really worked from that aspect. Should they have let MJF talking about getting head from a 17-year-old girl while he was in high school and switching places in a car that had crashed? No, absolutely not. They should have gone about it a different way. But considering what happened, what they talked about, it absolutely worked. And I don't think there's any way you can say it didn't.
2: Uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't have particularly strong takes on if it worked or not, I guess. Uh, I mean, it didn't feel like it was ruining his momentum or anything. But at the same time, it just felt really weird. And I'd rather he be doing... Something related to wrestling to show he's a scumbag. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's plenty of ways to do that. Like make a bigger deal out of holding onto the salt of the earth to mess up to, to catch his arm, you know, and have that directly play into Danielson selling his arm. Have MJF just be mean to some job or like just have him bully Fuego del Sol or something for no real bit of reason. I, I just yeah. would have rather done that than like, here's, you know, it, it felt, it was almost like the promo equivalent of like, you know, Paul White hanging on to his father's coffin. You know, it just felt really weird. And I don't know. This wasn't what I was looking for, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
1: I'm not going to fight that, but I th- I still think it ended up working. But we can move on because I just, I don't think there's really much more we can hash out with it. Um, but we will talk, we will loop back in here when we talk about Rush and Brian Danielson here in a little bit. The next, we had Absolute Ricky Starks and the Garcia Guevara gauntlet. Which I'll be honest, I did not know that Jericho was going to be the final leg of the Gauntlet. I thought this was to get a match of Revolution. I thought so, so that too. Part surprised me a little bit. I thought they could have been more clear. Yeah, that's um, the second
2: also- time on this on this show that I think there was something like that, and I'll I'll wait to discuss that further with you.
1: Yeah, um, but but I maybe- I thought
2: this was this was oddly twice on this show. Okay, the other one I'll go ahead and bring it up here is that. I didn't realize, and maybe it was because like I was at the live show two weeks ago and that threw off my perception of what's going on and all this crap. But like I I didn't realize that the Roosh match was the last leg of Danielson's run for the title match. And not knowing that, like I, I, I thought they sh- you know, it wasn't until like halfway through the match that like I realized it. And maybe that's on me. Maybe I was being a bad viewer. Maybe I, I missed some information I should have got but like it wasn't until the match itself that I got like it, it clicked for me that I understood it because they literally said it on commentary and, and to me like they should have built that that aspect of it up much bigger
1: yeah I, I'll be honest I didn't realize it was going to be like that either and one of the reasons I didn't realize that is one I don't remember them telling me which apparently that's incorrect which if that is true I'll take the L there but two yeah. let, let's take a look at his other gauntlets The trials of Jericho, um, the Cody stuff. Mm -hmm. They they went until literally the week before the pay per view, like, and because they went to Dynamite right before they had the pay per view match. Okay, now there's an expectation. You have a trend. You have an established like timeline of what's going to happen, and then it just was different. And I I think that's why I was so surprised. And if I was just dumb and missed things, then just call me a dumbass. That's fine. Um, but I don't remember hearing them say it was going to be five matches. I don't remember hearing them say it was only going to be five. It was going to end on the eighth. Nothing. Nothing along the lines. I don't, I don't lines recall that either. And,
2: and again, maybe I'm just a very dumb fan, which I look I won't say is impossible. But it, it didn't hit for me that that was the case in either
1: situation. Welcome to the good, the bad, and the dumb podcast on the Voice <laughs> of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Ladies and gentlemen. Featuring
2: the dumb Fred Morland.
1: Yeah. Um, I also thought that it was weird. I didn't realize they had built this as um, this championship night either. Um, I, I didn't I either. No I think, well, I think
2: I remember that from last week a little bit, but still.
1: Well, we can blame Mobile for that, for me at least. Um, you 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 have nothing. Um, let's yeah, talk about I'm this not, match. I'm not that smart. <laughs> um, Angelo Parker and Matt Menard came to the ring first. Angelo gouge Starks in the eyes and Starks gets a spear. Then Matt Menard comes in. He ducks a sucker punch, rolls him up and pins him. So within a minute and a half, he had already gone through the first two legs, which to me tells me, okay, he's probably going to face Jericho tonight. Like this is how you kind of accomplish that. You have 2.0, who I think they could build up and be a really good tag team, but they're used as a joke act. And I think some of that has to do with Matt Menard's injury. Well, this is a good way to work around that Garcia was out next. Um, they tried some distractions there from Guevara. Uh, they really pumped that There's a lot riding on this for Ricky Starks. Cause obviously he wants to face Jericho. Um, at, on the outside, Stark spears, Garcia, a fan and a mask in the front row, blasted Starks with the Judas effect. And we all know what's coming. Garcia throws him back into the ring. One, two, three Jericho comes out on masks. Yada, yada, bing bang. Now here's my question. I, I feel like this is going to end in a match at Revolution. But I'm really curious how we're going to get there. What is going to happen over the next few dynamites to help us progress the story?
2: I, you know, that's a good question. And I, I don't know. Um, obviously there's a lot of time left. You know, and Jericho could start cutting a promo about how, you know, he got He's done dealing with Ricky Starks, and then Ricky Starks comes back out and then antagonizes him into another match or some opportunity or something of the sort. Um, but, you know, it's they they have paths to it. It's not like that the door is completely closed on. It's just because Jericho says it is. you know, In wrestling, a, a heel saying they will not wrestle a match typically leads to them wrestling that match. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch. Um, you know, there's a lot... A lot of paths available to them, and uh, we'll see which ones they take. Yeah, do do it, you think that? Do you think the Gauntlet storylines fit into uh, what they what they're doing? Uh, like AEW as a promotion,
1: I have no problem with the Gauntlet storylines. I just think they're doing that. Gen, this is starting to become a trope. And it's starting to become something that I think Tony kind of leans on a little too much. Now, if only MJF did it, I don't think I'd complain at all because that's just an MJF thing. You're like, no, if you want this, I'm a scumbag. You're going to do this, 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 and this like, okay, makes sense. It's, it makes sense in Canon. Um, every now it's expanding elsewhere. Like I, I think you need to try and find something else. And I think this just may be going back to the wall a little too much. Um, but I did like that. Unlike the MJF stuff, this was an actual gauntlet match. This was, you're going to face multiple guys in the same night. So I guess I'm talking myself into it a little bit because you're not just having consecutive weeks of matches. To, um, So you can face me at a pay-per-view. No, you are going to actually go through a real gauntlet match. And I think that part is kind of cool. I would like to see, I would like to see that again, but I don't think we need it right away. I think we can wait a little bit and let's, Let's try and figure out another trope to use.
2: Yeah, I do think that they've been using that trope a lot. the The heel sets up stuff in the you know in the path of the face, which I mean that's a that's an old time storyline that goes back decades, obviously. But like, I do think they've they've been hitting that a fair bit, and maybe maybe we'll have an MGF cycle uh, without him doing that because I think that will help free it up for other people. Um, I, I think doing it at the same time with Jericho is a, a bit repetitive, but I don't think it's like a disaster or anything at the same time.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what happens. Um, but we'll see. Um, Renee Paquette interviewed daddy ass and the EW tag team champions of the acclaimed backstage. Billy said he decided for their match tonight, he was going to stay in the back and stay out of the match. And it was a team decision. Well, it didn't end up turning out that way, but it was for reasons outside of um, of what their agreement was. We'll talk about that as we get there. Um, this, I thought, was really well done. Rene Paquette is interviewing Brian Danielson, Tekesha, in the trainer's room. And this is why I love this company so much. You had to, catch to just get his ass absolutely beat. He's bleeding gushers. He's, his arm is just in disarray, and Danielson goes out to save him. So Danielson's in the trainer's room with Takeshta. When MJF locks him in while Renee Paquette's talking to him and Roosh does his entrance, which he's El Toro Blanco. He's got a mask of gold and black, which I thought was very weird, but whatever. It's fine. Um, Yeah. MJF comes out when it's supposed to be Danielson and yells at Aubrey, you know, very mean things to yell and start the the count. And Aubrey just deliberately counts slow just to piss him off. And then Danielson ends up coming out. I thought this aspect. Was incredibly well done. It linked to the story at the beginning of the match. They planted seeds and they delivered on them later. And it's, I, and MJF just continues to show he's a cowardly shitbag. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great.
2: I like this too. I like this a lot. I do think that AEW gets a little repetitive with, you know, their backstage segments, which are almost always either a pre tape or a guy doing an interview that gets interrupted or a, I'm glad we've agreed to no physicality. Like they're, they're very, it's a clo- It's a limited number of things. Like occasionally you'll get a backstage brawl. Um, I'm not asking for like, please recreate the Booker T, Steve Austin supermarket brawl every three weeks or something. But I do think you need a little more creativity, a little more variation at times. And I think this was a nice change of pace. Um, and I did like this aspect of it.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was good, and you know what I thought was even better, Fred. I thought this this might have been the best non-plunder ruche match of all time. This was phenomenal. This was I fantastic. Loved this. This uh, spoiler alert. This is now my new number one match in our running dynamite dozen. I, I loved, need to update that. Loved, loved loved this match. It was physical, hard hitting, high impact, like great action. The finish was awesome. Uh, they, uh, Roosh kicked out of the double knee, um, or sorry, the running knee, and then he ended up hitting it just out of the blue. Just This was throughout excellent. And you know what? We had some concerns with Roosh coming into this company. He is delivering really good matches. He is, to our knowledge, not whining and complaining about losing. And let's push this guy. Like, yeah, this was, was a posted.
2: fantastic, fantastic performance, um, and I think uh, I, I think that he on. Do you think he did a Freaky Friday with Andrade? Do you think they like got zapped by magic and got each other's personality, and that's why Andrade is such a troublemaker, and now uh, Roosh is uh, happy to be there? I just want to put that uh, scenario out there that we had ourselves a, a Lucha Libre Freaky Friday.
1: Who's Lindsay Lohan? Who's Jamie Lee Curtis?
2: Well, that's a good one. I've got to assume Roosh is, uh, well, originally was Jamie Lee Curtis. I guess he still would be. And uh, Andrade was uh, Lindsay Lohan. I am not explaining this take at all.
1: Yeah, th- this was, like, it was awesome. Roosh, they, they,
2: this was a great match. This was a fantastic, absolute.
1: They, they beat the piss out of each other. Daniels buckets. Oh, like, um, But it was, it was phenomenal. Like, uh, I couldn't tell you any one specific spot because they just beat the crap out of each other. Rouge hit that that running knee strike into the corner. Um, Danielson got two of the psycho knees. It had the LaBelle lock. Oh, I gave it four and three quarters. I almost slapped a five on this sucker. I loved it.
2: Yeah, I also went, oh, wow, hello. I went uh, four and three quarters on it as well. Uh nearly went five on it. Yeah, I thought about it, but if I have to think about it, then it's not a five, I think. Uh, yeah, like, God bless. They just beat the hell out of each other. Brian Danielson's chest by the end of it was just like hamburger. Like, these guys, they need to wrestle again because this was a fantastic matchup and just so much fun.
1: Yeah, Um.
2: please, more Roosh,
1: more Roosh, more Roosh, more Roosh. AW World Trios Championship match. The Elites defeated Top Flight plus AR Fox. Let's just be honest. He is basically a part of Top Flight and Canon now. Um, look, this was fun. I think that they they could have... They have a better match in them. Let's put it that way. I thought this was a really nice showcase for Dante. Um, I saw him doing a bunch of, like, not flippy-do stuff, but just jumpy, super, like, high-upside athlete stuff that was phenomenal. Um, and then they uh, Kenny Omega um, ends up uh, um, rolling up A.R. Fox with a crucifix. And I thought this was really, really nice. It was just a really good TV match. Gave it three and three quarters, but nothing really stood out to me.
2: Really, I love this match. I thought it was just a per- perfect presentation of what these six men can do. Um, and I thought they worked fantastic to- together. Uh, I went four and a half stars on it, uh, which was my second highest match. Of the night over. Yeah. Over, uh, over to four and a quarter. Um, I like this a lot. Um, I just, you know, I thought they were all working really well. I liked the structure of the match. I thought that the closing stretch was really impressive. Um, I was a big fan of this.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not with you, but look, it, it, I don't blame you. Um, these guys are all fun. Um, This, is right afterwards, is where Lexi Nair interviewed Stokely Hathaway. Hathaway said he had a problem with Hook He was talking mad shit. Hook comes up to him and basically grabs his arm, which is what we talked about at the beginning of the show, um, where he heard it. Um, We're going to get Stokely being over-exaggerated on commentary. Wouldn't be shocked if we see a little smart Mark Sterling action as well. But let's move on to the main event. The acclaimed Anthony Bones and Max Caster versus the guns Austin and Colton. I thought this was a really shit bag match.
2: I was not into this very much at all. Like it was technically fine, but like I, I, you know, I try to take notes on what I'm watching, uh, especially for AW. Um, while I watch it, and my whole pre commercial break notes for this, which was a pretty long period, it was like half the match, and this was not a short match. Just said acclaimed have control early. I just didn't have anything else to note. And I thought that the finish was just over. You know, I, I get it, but there is a difference between having a match that makes your heels look like threats, even if they're chicken shits, and a different and, and a match that just has the heels win when the fans don't want them to. And I think this like and are not interested in having them as. A team, And I think this was the second case. I think it was just not the right move. I don't know why they felt obliged to do this title switch here. Maybe they have some plan with like FTR coming back real quick to, to beat them or the acclaim getting a quick rematch and getting a big win. But I thought that the, I thought, well, first of all, for quality purposes, this was just meh as hell. I went two and a half and I I'm starting to think as I talk about it, that I was being too generous. Um, and as far as booking like i don't know why they felt the need to get the belts off the acclaimed here i don't think that i i think it was too early for the guns i do think the guns have been showing signs of improvement especially with their personality but as workers they're very they're not main event level to me and when it comes to the acclaimed like they have d- improved dramatically in the ring they're over as hell they're one of your most charismatic acts and i think this was just the wrong move at this point in time.
1: Yeah. And if you, uh, if you
2: wanted to put the belts on FTR, just hell, just set it up where FTR faces them at the pay-per-view and FTR wins. I, I don't get, get involving the gun club at all. I've noticed that Tony has
1: been doing some flippy do stuff with the tag belts. He caught, he, he did it with the trios belts, but that was, that was also a, a completely different scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The TNT title, just flippy dude from Samoa Joe to Darby back to Samoa Joe. Um, I feel like he may be doing the same thing with the tag belts. He may be giving them right back to the acclaimed. Um, Dax Harwood, um, good our good friend FTR Bald, did tweet out that, man, I miss professional wrestling um, right after that match. And we know that the guns ended up beating FTR. They kind of have a little rivalry going. Um, it would make sense for them to get the revolution match, but at the same time, Dax also said that Tony has given them um, months off um, whether that that I don't think it's just going to be two months. I think it's going to be multiple, but you never know professional wrestlers are the world's biggest liars. And mm-hmm. Professional liars in, even. Yeah. I say that both in a loving and derogatory way. It's all of it. Every little bit. Um, I didn't like that. The acclaimed lost the match. I don't think that they should have lost the tag team titles, but if the guns were going to win them, this is how they should have won them, being shitbags, because they're not that good. They are not a high-established tag team. They are not very talented in comparison to the rest of the division. They are a lower-to-mid-card act, and I don't see them getting elevated in a similar way to what the Acclaimed were. The Acclaimed became a very organic story. They got over with the crowd because of Max Caster's raps, Anthony Bowen's um, just... Incredible charisma, and then obviously scissoring with daddy ass. Like th- that was an incredibly organic rise. The guns just feels like they're there because their dad was Mister Ass in WWE. Like they're completely competent pro wrestlers, but there's something special about them. Except their last name is Gun. Like, what?
2: I think they, I, I think they are showing signs of improving charisma. I, I like that aspect of them. I think they're doing better when it comes to that. That being said, they are still very much a, like, on a good night, we'll have a three-star match team right now. And, you know, where AEW is right now as a as a promotion that highly values work rate, uh, that's not going to cut it uh, for a long title reign. So either they've got to be, like, you know, like top-level, you know, personality wise heals, and i don't see that in them right now maybe one day but i don't see it right now um or this i mean it's just got to be a short transition thing which is its own separate deal i don't even get why they did it in the first place though and i know i've said that already but it's just the kind of thing that it feels like such a own goal to like force this change this move when the crowd when when they acclaimed are super hot they're loved by everyone they're like you could argue their most over baby face act uh, in the entire company. And it just didn't feel right, but at least they didn't turn uh Billy gun because I thought they were going to do that. And that would have been even worse. I think that would have been a, a proper disaster because I think he really do- is an important part of the acclaimed sack right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess at least he didn't completely screw it up. <laughs> I, I oh, we you've talked about giving uh giving Tony the benefit of the doubt before, like on this show. Uh and I think that's very fair, but I do think this was a clear misstep. Um, which I guess we'll see where where it goes from here. Yeah, I think it was a misstep too, but I reserved to change my mind with
1: new information. Um, I mean
2: if they if they turn it into a gold, you know, all time great storyline in the next month or something, that's fine. That's a different situation. But like I just think like going down this path at all is not the right move, but you know, that's just my take.
1: Yeah. Um I don't I don't disagree. Overall, like I think that's the the tone of this dynamite to me was good but weird. And I think we talked about a lot of the weird. It's just it was weird.
2: Uh there was in fact I don't even know that we talked about the weirdest segment on the show. Um you know it's it's either the MGF promo or this one where they had the two incredible Jokers guys backstage oh, talking to Tony Schiavone about how they they they're stealing Floyd and Chris Cherko is supposed to be on their show to get it back and this sucked
1: corporate synergy baby
2: like I mean it, you know sure co- corporate synergy but like my god entertain me with it which these uh professional comedians did not do this was a total flop to me like just uh, atrocious segments
1: just kind of is what it is um but yeah that fred that was dynamite Um, it was overall a an interesting show
2: yeah it was some really great stuff on it some kind of weird stuff and a short all-time really i think it's like i think the impractical jokers thing was like borderline all-time bad like one of the worst AEW segments ever it was short it didn't really derail anything but it was like three minutes of just like what the hell is going on yeah pretty much um any yeah. big thoughts on Last Rampage that you want to go through real quick?
1: Um, I'll be honest, um, because of me having to get back and, and catch up on all my work stuff. Wow, that windstorm is gnarly. It is. It's a hell
2: of a thing right now.
1: Um, I'll be honest, I didn't watch Rampage. Um, it, well,
2: you didn't miss too terribly much. Uh, well, that's good. Yeah, I, if if you were to watch anything, I would say watch the Elite match. It is not a top level elite match but I went 3 and 3 quarters on it it was still pretty good. Um I do enjoy some of the Ethan Page Matt Hardy stuff. Um but otherwise like you know and the work was solid but it was otherwise like a a good but not disappointing elite match especially coming off the best of 7.
1: Yeah, it's it's fine. Like I'll, I'll see if I can get to it, but um, I don't know if I will um, just because um, it's NFL draft scouting. And I, I am finally about to go off of cornerbacks. I've watched, I'm finishing up my 12th right now. I'm done watching corners.
2: I'm going to linebacker. So we'll see. What do you we'll find? The, goes. What do you find the hardest uh, position to scout? that's a good question
1: um it's quarterback quarterback Um, yeah because there's so much nuance there's so many variables it's like trying to find a great quarterback is like you have an algebra problem with eight different variables and you need to find each one It the answer can be found but it's like goodwill hunting like the the problem on the board and you have to be able to figure out what the answer to that problem is um You can figure out a bunch of them, and then you just deal with the fact that you don't know what the other two are, and you're just trying to continue to solve and solve and solve. Um, And that's Kirk Cousins. Um, (laughs) But it's incredibly difficult. Even the best evaluators still stink at it. Nobody's good at scouting quarterbacks because so many of them miss when they feel like sure things.
2: And when you do hit with one, like you just got – you know, you're set for the next 15 years and there's no real risk, you know, as a GM at least. And there's no real risk about like, Oh, I have to draft a new one. Typically speaking, at least for several well, years,
1: that's not true. You should always be drafting quarterbacks, but once you have like your entrenched guy, draft yeah. them late. Cause that's you never right. know when that guy's going to go kablooey. Uh, you never yeah, know. It, but like, as long as
2: you have them, if you, you know, if you draft someone in like the sixth round and they aren't a success, no one's going to be calling for your head. They'll just be like, Hey, it wasn't the guy in the sixth round. What can you do? I would have expected. Yeah. I would have. What about offensive line? Because I would think that would be kind of hard to scout.
1: Um, offensive line sometimes can actually be relatively easy and simple. Okay. Because yeah, with all twenty-two, you get the the. It's basically the TV view, but they go up so you can see and zoom out so you see the full field, and then you get the view of the trenches. So it's either the offensive lineman's back or the defensive lineman's back, and you can see a lot. And you can get a real sense of what they're doing and what they are. And you see how they win, how they lose. Are they utilizing hand placement? How are their feet? Um, Are they athletic enough to be able to keep up with some of the speed rushers? Are they strong enough to keep up with the interior guys there? You can see all of that. And I feel like offensive linemen, most of the time are easier to hit on than anything else because everything that you're asking them to do in the college level, you're going to be asking them to do in the pro level Okay. and strength will translate. Athleticism will translate there. But if you don't have strength, you're probably not going to gain it once you get to the NFL. Like that's kind of the weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, linebacker can be difficult too. Um, that's just a personal thing. Um, it's because they're being asked to do so many different things. They're in the front seven and the back seven. You're asking them to do coverage, You're asking them to read the run guys to read play action correctly and when you combine all that it can be a little difficult it can be challenging but i'm actually going to do linebacker next um the vikings are probably going to need an inside linebacker too um especially if they move on from Kendrick's to jordan hicks so
2: we'll see all right are you going to do like an nfl draft intelligentsia on the uh the voices of the flagship patreon i should say if joe wants to absolutely i will
1: do one um I can also do one from a betting perspective too, because there'll be a lot of prop bets um, An understanding of things. I, I know the college football intelligentsia shows we were able to do were where became pretty popular, which was really cool, but I'm, uh, yeah. If Joe wants to, I'm all in. Um, I'm more than happy to do all that. All my scouting reports you can find on Vikings wire. Um, basically all you have to do is, uh, search Vikings wire and a player's name and you should be able to find it pretty easily. Um, I've only done wide receiver in the corners so far, though, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, linebackers are going to start this week. Uh, probably a Texas's DeMarvian overshone, he's a guy that's a lot of people really liked.
2: I will pretend to know who that is. Um, well, let's wrap up the show because I don't have much <laughs> else to say about AW. It's a pretty quiet week other than uh. Dynamite itself, um, yeah. But we do have uh, basically the entire Rampage card laid out. I think we've got a Blackpool mm-hmm. Combat Club against Kip Sabian and the Butcher and the Blade. We got a uh, Jack Perry featured in action, which means squash match. Ruby Soho against Jamie Hader, and uh, we have Mark Briscoe will be doing a promo, which will be very interesting for several reasons. Uh, hopefully, we'll get him featured more going forward. I do think they'll have. Probably another match on there, I assume, but I don't think they've announced it yet. And absolutely nothing announced for next Dynamite, so not much we can do. Yeah, um,
1: I, I no, I would agree completely. Um, you can find us on Twitter at GoodBadHungy. You can find us on the us and Discord. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at the Real Forno and at the Vikings Wire. You can find Fred on Twitter at flagrant And that is R like Ted Turner and not W like Vince McMahon. Um, Listen, if you have any questions for us, please feel free to contact us. You can also contact us at hungipod at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe uh, to the podcast. If you're listening on the Voice of Wrestling podcast feed, please follow our solo feed and subscribe there. It'll help us grow the podcast and help everybody see what kind of awesome show we are at last check we were down to number four in Turkey. So if you are listening in Turkey, please like subscribe and share so we can become number one again. Um, that is our goal. We want to be number one in a couple of countries. That'd be really, really freaking cool to be able to put all over everywhere because we were number one, like just like Smitty Werbin, Jagerman Jensen from SpongeBob. I want to be that guy. <laughs> he was number one. Um, but, uh, yeah, please do all the fun things. Um, if you add, um, if you give us a five-star review and you write anything in the comments, um, please ask us a question. We'll answer those on air as well. Um, in the meantime, I, that is the show today. A, li- a little bit of an abbreviated one because ju- there wasn't a whole lot to talk about, which, really yeah. Why which we? really, yeah, it's not a bad thing. But until then, I'm Tyler. This is Fred. Take care. Skull Vikings.
2: Have a good one. All the best talk about New Japan Pro
0: Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.